0: We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
1: Tiana Speeder, your host with you to kick us off today. Every Thursday, join me, my co-host Andrew Mast and an array of artists and figures from around the industry to dive into all things music this week. From new releases to pop culture moments turning our heads right now. Plus, we'll take a look back at this week in musical history and some other exciting sonic snippets kicking around right now. Want more tunes with that? Well, I have good news for you. We'll also be adding all the songs and artists we discuss in each Press Play episode into one nifty playlist so you can keep up to date as we go. Just search for Press Play Mixtape on Spotify, smash that play button to rip into some of this week's best releases. Love music? Press Play. Let's dive straight into it with a look through some of the brand new albums dropping this week. So first up on Press Play, let's take a look at this week in album releases. And my God, there is definitely something in the water this week. There are genuinely so many amazing albums and EPs dropping this week. But to briefly take you through a few releases before I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Andrew Mast, Aussie popster Dami Im returns this week following her well-received 2018 release I Hear a Song. Marking her first release via ABC Music, a sixth studio album, My Reality, is ready to roll this week, with Dami Im remarking in her press material, This is the dream album. This album is about owning who I am. While Im has certainly made some great covers and originals her own in the past, this album marks the first time she wrote or co-wrote every track, and the media are already praising her warmth and musical brilliance stepping into a new era. On a totally different note, Alice in Chains' very own Jerry Cantrell is set to release his extremely long-awaited third studio album this week, Brighton, which lines up an array of incredible supporting players from the worlds of Guns N' Roses, Dillinger Escape Plan and mixing by Joe Baresi of Tool and Queens of the Stone Age fame. Well, let's just say it was always bound to be a rock fest of the most royal order and little surprise given the man behind it all. Guitar World recently described the title track as swinging, distortion-heavy slab of stonery grunge with a sleazy hard rock riff. Sign me the hell up. And a bit closer to home, Aussie rockers even emerged from many, many lockdowns with their first full-length album in three years. Reverse Light Years marks the group's eighth album and also marks the trio's first ever double album. Rolling Stone Australia have already marked Reverse Light Years as the group's most accomplished record to date. Partially inspired by a lockdown triggered love for Jimi Hendrix, Band of Gypsies live record, Get Set for Plenty of Sonic Exploration from the Melbourne Bunch come this Friday. So many albums, I feel like we are all so spoiled for choice this week. But right now, I'm going to be diving a bit deeper in, into some other new albums dropping this week, along with my co host. It's none other than Euphony's head of music content and all round musical guru, Andrew Mast. Masty, hello, and welcome to Press Play.
2: Good to be here and good to hear you uh, talking up Jerry Cantrell and Even, the Even album. I'm going to agree with Rolling Stone, strongest album to come out of them ever, full stop. You (laughs) don't expect that this late into a band's career. So that's exciting.
1: 100%.
2: But I'm going to talk about something completely different. We're looking at Morgan Evans' new EP, Country and the Coast Side A. I'm assuming that title is some kind of reference to good old-fashioned vinyl. And uh, I'm expecting maybe a follow-up that will be called Country in the Coast Side bit. I don't know. But, safe uh, bet.
1: I think it's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah.
2: Best known here for his Day Drunk hit way back pre-COVID in 2018, Australian singer-songwriter Morgan Evans is fast rising into superstardom in Nashville and right across America's country scene. Um, if you want to know why, then you just take a listen to the song sing-along, drink-along that's on this EP. It delivers exactly what it promises. You're singing along with it at first listen, as if it's a classic John Denver song you've known all your life. Yes, I'm old, so John Denver springs to mind. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it even ends with a rousing clap-along. This guy knows his way around a tune.
3: In our good job, you stand in mine.
2: Oh, baby, we'll go till we run. is unashamedly commercial country. It's not old country or Americana. It's, It's right up front with big choruses, foot tapping rhythms and the feel good lyrics and it's working. His streaming figures are eye wateringly huge. Love is Real, which is just new from this EP, is already at 2 million but Day Drunk is on 60 million and I thought that was the big hit but no, Kiss Somebody is on double that amount of streaming. So Even though it's not a new album, I think this EP is going to just maybe take him up uh, another level in America.
1: Hot damn. I mean, you can't argue with results. I mean, me and the country genre don't always gel all that well, but there is something so inescapably likeable and you can hear the passion. And, I mean, with a song like Day Drunk, Coming out of lockdown, it's all too real, so I'm into it.
2: (laughs) He he just can nail a song. He's a great songwriter, but he's also got a really uh, enjoyable voice to listen to, and I think that's the magic of why Morgan Evans has kind of risen, risen above the pack.
1: Absolutely. It may be what converts me to country, Master, We'll see. <laughs> well, I'm also sticking to Australia and an Aussie group for a moment here with Gold Coast-based duo Bootleg Rascal. They're dropping their third studio album, Slop- Sloppy Seconds, this Friday. It's an album name I don't relish saying, but with this release out this no Friday, <laughs> the pair have, they've cleverly used the pandemic period to not only conjure new music, but they've also used this to reimagine some of their earlier works. So, for example, the first taste we got of this release was... They actually reimagined their track called Sharks with a new version of it called Sharks Remix in Espanol, which I've probably butchered saying, but I'm going with it. <laughs> What we've got here is a reworking of the original track Sharks flung against a Latin soundscape and it's been really interesting to see the pair's reasoning behind the way they've actually structured this new album so guitarist Jimmy Young actually said the pandemic really gave him a chance to look at projects he would always wanted to do but he never actually had time for and this is actually a bucket list moment to have a record which was you know the something old something new concept so We've got acoustic versions, electronic remixes, and of course, plenty of the tasty reggae and dub that we all know and love Bootleg Rascal for. Their 2018 album, Anonimo, injected some freshness into their already signature sound, with the AU review naming it one of the best releases of the year. And I feel like this new album's gonna embrace old and new fans equally, Masty. And I feel like this is a record ready for summer. Yeah, I, I
2: think the title's gonna stop me from uh, giving this one a listen, but there you go. <laughs>
1: Let it happen, Mastery. Just give it a go.
2: I'll see. I'll see. Um, Another one with a title that I was worried about too is is another local one. Well, semi-local. It's called Swing, and that's both the name of the album and the name of the project, but it's actually a full-length collaboration of Australia's Plutonic Lab and members of Canada's BBRC. Now, I'm familiar with Plutonic's work. Not only does he drum for hilltop hoods uh, when they're too alive, uh, but back in 2009, I don't know how many people are aware of this, uh, there was a Speech to Bell album he worked on that won the Mercury Prize, and that is the top music honour in Britain, and, and that is just great for uh, a homegrown producer to, to be able to make that claim. But you can trace his output, output back even further to the macronauts in the mid-90s. And you may be familiar with him because he had a lot of Triple J success as a part of the duo Muffin Plutonic. Suffice to say, his presence runs deep in the story of Australian hip-hop. He is a master of beats.
3: My basic, y'all basic, y'all write notes. Y'all don't even get a mention in the line of notes. Hey, and the player been snapping like a baseball bat to that baseline slapping. No day, got the board shaking from that bass, And I don't play when
2: it comes to it. Uh, BBRC, I know way less about, uh, but they have connections also to Hilltop Hoods, as well as Dilated Peoples and John Legend, going by their press material.
1: Hot damn!
2: Uh, so this this album's actually been a few years in the making. Uh, the first single anybody dropped way back in 2019. Uh, they had all worked together as as well in in other projects. And this set opens strong with a track called Wi-Fi. It just smashes out of the speakers. It's all crisp beats, catchy raps, and there's just synth sounds zinging throughout the whole arrangement. It's production as clean as I wish my windows were right now. And (laughs) and that's pretty much how it continues. Uh, There are times when it does get a bit grittier, uh, like Lock It Down, which actually reminded me of uh, early outcast kind of uh, recordings. Um, My biggest gripe? Um, is that we hear Natalie Slade's voice on Yoko just a little bit on the track Yoko, and it's so good you just want to hear more. And it's like I know Plutonic's worked with Natalie Slade uh, on and off over the years. It would be great to hear um, some more of her on this album. But it's it's a it's a great it's a great album if you like um well if you like hip hop at all. He's just a master, as I said, a master of production, a master of beats. And it's it's a really uh good, fresh listen.
1: I think too, if your biggest gripe is that you want more, I think that's certainly a very, very, very good review coming yeah. out of that. And okay, I agree. The,
2: the other gripe is saying their name swing. I
1: just <laughs> yeah, then that's fine. Oh yeah, I think yeah. it's really exciting to see like this caliber of hip-hop popping off out of Melbourne. And as I went digging deeper, I was like, wow, like. Platonic Lab has so many ties to it. So, yeah, and you've just uncovered even more for me. So it's I, God knows what, where they're going to go to from here with all of this, but far out, this is a great project. So I'm very into it. Um, I'm going to divert slightly today as well and go a little bit outside my own comfort zone, which I'm a bit excited about before we dive into our shared feature album. I wanted to chat about the incredible Tori Amos and her 16th studio album Ocean to Ocean, which is coming out this Friday on Decca. So it was written and recorded during a third lockdown in Cornwall. I know, Master, you're very au fait with lockdowns, but um, in true Tori Amos fashion, Ocean to Ocean evolved from her fascination with the country's landscapes and ancient myths. But it's not all myths and sprawling landscapes, with the album also partially capturing her reaction to the US Capitol rights back at the start of the year, which blew my mind to think it was actually this year. I genuinely thought it was last year, but (laughs) I digress. There's... A lot of personal narratives and the end result of Ocean Ocean feels like an extremely intimate invitation into her personal universe. And in her press release, she said at best, this is a record about your losses and how you cope with them. And it's that shimmering notion of potential hope that underpins each track alongside an array of pretty tantalizing sonic moments. There's the hypnotic track Spies, there's the piano laden speaking to trees that gives some nostalgia and really, really signals some of her earlier work for me. Anyway, I saw a lot of those, you know, earlier
4: flavours coming through.
0: Since you've a Hiding your ashes under the treehouse Don't be surprised, I cannot let you go
1: There's orchestral and cinematic flavours, there's electric guitar injections, there's offbeat pop, but ultimately Ocean Ocean is a sensational outlet of grief and daring to dream alongside that. And it's a beautiful reminder that despite all the hurt and pain life can bring, it's okay to sit in the wilderness sometimes and things will be okay.
2: Uh, And for a lot of people who, like me, only know Tori Amos for her dance hit, (laughs) Professional Widow, don't expect that here. But also... Here in Melbourne, we've just come out of our sixth lockdown. I've still not recorded one track, and she <laughs> managed to do a whole album in our third lockdown. Oh, there's still
1: time. You've got all the time in the world, and luckily, she's doing it for us, so that's all good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thanks for worrying. Well- Yes, good on you, Tori. And Marcy, we're going to team up and actually tackle our feature album together now. Would you like to introduce what we're chatting about today?
2: Well, we're going to, be, often people think uh, this is uh, my side project uh, because it's uh, Mastodon and they do use my surname in, in, their, uh, in their band title. But uh, we're looking at their new album.
1: Absolutely. Well, I have been a large Mastodon fan for a while now, not just because you share the surname slightly, but I still treasure my pastel yellow vinyl copy of their 2004 album Leviathan that I pulled out of the tubs at Reprise Records in Sydney a few years back. Oh, wow. One of my special favourites, but it's not just pretty vinyl that I love them for. And with Hushed and Grim, their brand new album, they're continuing this, you know, tendency they have to be a bridge that they have done for decades now between being ambitious at times complex and heavy, but also bringing a bit of mainstream stuff into the mix.
2: I have to say, it is so eclectic. That's what really impressed me about this album. Mm. So keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No, well, I think, and I'm glad you, you thought that as well. So it has been three years since, since they've released an album. So 2017's Emperor of Sand came out and a lot has happened in that time, not just in the world, but In 2018, the group actually lost their longtime manager, Nick John, who actually joined the team following Leviathan that I still adore, that album. But um, this was a man who really shaped the trajectory of this group. And they've been on that ever since. And I really do feel that Hush and Grim*, dropping, of course, via reprise records is actually a huge ode and tribute to John. And I know I'm not the only one to make that connection. Some of the early reviews already out touch on that. And There's a lot of inevitable emotional elements hard baked into the album alongside all this, you know, massive oscillating sonic diversity. So, yeah, I think what's interesting about this band is they've obviously been a huge fixture on the metal scene for a long time, but they really don't like to be pigeonholed at that. They don't like to be called heavy metal. And what we're saying is, you know, it's not an era in metal where it's the 60s or 70s where Sabbath and Zeppelin are reigning supreme. It's not 80s when Thrash and MTV are everywhere. We're here in 2021. This is a band, especially on this album, that are reflecting, I guess, the current elasticity of the metal moniker. And, I, you know, we're saying insane technicality, hard-hitting moments, but so much more. So I'm assuming you picked up on that too, given your, your moment at well, the start.
2: What's really interesting is telling me about the loss of their manager because there is a sense of loss in all the lyrics here. And at moments, it's, it's quite moving. Um, you know some of the, some of the topics of, of the of the songs um, but about the eclecticness of, of it as well you know I'm, I'm quite a wuss when it comes to heavy music but I am so blown away um, by the great playing here I mean there is just some masterful guitar work but I'm drawn to a, a songs like uh, the Beast the first two minutes could be a completely different band straightforward arrangement I mean it's almost classic rock style like you're saying mm-hmm. you can feel. Um, the the roots of of this music in there and I I also like quieter moments as they appear in the very aptly titled Peace and Tranquility and and the track Had It All they're the moments I'm drawn to but the fact that those moments are there amongst this album are you know incredible but yeah that that overall um, sense of loss that you get from the lyrics so some quite heartbreaking lyrics um, on this album which I just was not expecting.
1: Yeah and I think it's that's, again, they always manage to surprise. Like, you know, you've still got some, like, incredible brawny moments, like Pushing the Tides and the Crux obviously still have that real heftiness to them. But for me too, I know some of the uh, some of the song names also are a little bit um, hilarious as the album grows on a personal highlight for the name alone, the track Gobblers of Dregs. I've, what an I've absolute epic.
2: <laughs> I've got that highlighted. <laughs>
1: Uh, but I think too, like seeing stuff like what you said with the classic moments, I mean, Sickle and Pace is an utter arpeggio fest. So you've got the fever dream of Had It All, you've got the psychedelic skeleton of Splendor, and Marcy, there's a reason this album is already snapping up 10 out of 10 reviews around town. Rock Sound rounded it up also succ- succinctly for me, I guess, when the single Pushing the Tides was released. They literally just said, it's Mastodon at their most, Mastodon.
2: Uh, you know how I feel about 10 out of 10 uh, reviews. It's like, is this the perfect album? Is this the perfect album? Mm. But you are right. Gobblers of drag like clocks <laughs> in at 8.34. And there's only two songs that come in under the five-minute mark, and I believe this is actually Mastodon's Longest album to date, mm-hmm. and and that's saying something. But again, I, I've got to go back to um the the guitar playing. I like I get a very progressive rock vibe from some of the moments here. And you, I'm hearing, you know, intricate guitar noodling, and then the next minute, and I think it was quietest uh, point in that review, There's a full-on pile-driving attack. Yeah. <laughs> so they really sneak up on you. Yes, they make sure you're not you're not nodding off or relaxing uh, while you're listening to this. But yeah, it is um, it is it is epic. It's an epic album.
1: I think that's the best way to do it. And when you look at their album art and all of their concepts as they go along, you know whether or not you would never label their albums as concept albums as such, but at the epic and the odyssey they always inject into it and I guess Mastodon may be at times indescribable but that's what so many know and love them for and I feel like this album really cements them as you know titans of the musical rounds I don't even want to say heavy because I think they transcend genres at this point but for me it's not so much indescribable as it is indestructible so yeah I'm very, I'm very on board with it. I wouldn't, I probably can't give it like the five out of five, 10 out of 10 straight off the bat, but it's high out there. I would definitely say it's a new perfect album for myself, but yeah, I'm biased, obviously.
2: Yeah, it, 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 it's not getting full marks for me either, just because it scared me at times when <laughs> they lulled me into a false sense of security. <laughs>
1: then, uh, so you, you get out of your comfort zone and I'm very on board with it and I'm very excited we could look at it today. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they chart because they seem to keep rising and rising with each of their releases, especially here in Australia. So we'll see how they go. They're,
2: they're coming out in a tough week, but man, I will not be surprised if this is very close to number one uh, in Australia.
1: Watch this face, hey? <laughs> well, a huge week of new albums and EPs, Marcy. Thank you for your picks today. Some, again, outside of what I would normally listen to, but it makes me really, really happy to do that. And I will bid farewell to you now briefly, but please don't go too far because you and I will be chatting again a little bit later this episode. Now, before we close out our album release segment for today, I'm going to throw to this week's special guest reviewer. I am joined now by Mick Raj. Now, for those playing along at home, you may recognize Mick's voice from his tenure as the host of the Tuck Shop on 2SER, And he's no stranger to the odd gig or two. Mick has been reviewing and attending more gigs than most have in their lifetime, myself included. Mick, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on Press Play today.
3: G'day, Tiana. It's a pleasure to be here. So exciting.
1: Oh, it's awesome to have you. Now, we are chatting all things albums right now on the podcast. So what album are you taking a closer look at today?
3: Or well, this is a pretty big one. And they're a band that don't release that many albums, so it's exciting to talk about one when they do. I'm talking about The War on Drugs. Now, they're one of those bands that, just like their music and their career, is a bit of a slow burn. Uh, their music is always building and there's so much going on and it builds and builds and it's got that amazing sultry vocal of Adam Seal and that really pristine production that he works on. But they always maintain that real classic rock and roll aesthetic, which is at the core of what The War on Drugs always do. So anytime they release a new album, it's a big, big thing because their last one, In 2017, uh, won a Grammy. Won a Grammy for Best Rock Album. So their new one, I Don't Live Here Anymore, is the brand new one. And look, first of all, straight off the bat, this is a turning point for The War on Drugs. I don't live here anymore. I went along with People know The War on Drugs for their epic 10-minute songs and so so much of their, their catalogue has seen these really long tunes, but it made it a bit more concise, maybe a little bit more formulaic, I guess, but it's also, they've got some hits on this album, and I think that's already been noticeable from the singles that have come out already. But straight after they won that Grammy, they went back into the studio, and they started recording demos, and it's taken them this long to get to the point of releasing it. And Adam worked with uh, producer Sean Everett, who they also worked with on the last album, A Deeper Understanding. Now, Sean Everett's got a great, you know, history. He's worked, he's won six Grammys with Alabama Shakes, Casey Musgraves, and Beck. So this guy knows what he's doing. But he's worked with Adam on the War on Drugs record, and it's come out just a beautiful, beautiful album. It's so textured, really powerful, but quite simple in its message. And I think for the first time, the War on Drugs, their vocals and the delivery of the, um, the lyrics from Adam is just so much clearer and to the point, and it's, it's sort of not it's they've got a, they've known for some of their previous songs just going la 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 and not really actually having words, but no, there's a lot of words here and they're very very meaningful, and Adam's really stepped that up. Um, it could be that Adam might have done that because he's just had a kid himself. He's got a little two-year-old. Who we know- yeah. And he's named his child after Bruce Springsteen. So big fan, both of each other. Bruce Springsteen loves the War on Drugs and War on Drugs love Bruce Springsteen. So it's a great matchup there. Um, but I think this has made Adam's writing a little bit more personal, a little bit more direct, and, and this album really shows that. So, yeah, it's ten songs – Nothing longer than six minutes and 26 seconds, which for them is quite epic. You know, there's there's more succinct songs. There's more concise stuff going on. Um, but having said that, one of my favourite tracks on the album is the second, second song on the album, which is Harmonia's Dream. And this is a real beautiful journey through guitar-driven rock. And that's the thing about this band. They can deliver these beautiful long songs, but they actually don't feel like long songs. And even this one at six and a half minutes, it just feels just right. Uh, so... Harmonious Dreams are a highlight and already the singles have released being the title track from the album, I Don't Live Here Anymore, and Living Proof. They're both really solid songs, but there's not many misses on this album, I'll tell you what. They've even got some 80s-inspired synth going on. There's quite a bit of keyboard going on in this album, and there's one which uh, I don't want to wait, which sort of sounds like Phil Collins in the air tonight at the start, But, but it builds and it builds into this real... Disco almost 80s track with some synths that you just recognize from the past. So they're trying a few new things, but it's just, this is still the war on drugs and they're still doing it really well. And it's a really great album.
1: Yeah. I think I love that you said that because I feel like that the title track just made me feel like I wanted to just like be at the end of an 80s rom com, like the credits <laughs> just started rolling. So I love that you brought that one.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, it does sound like that, but it's, it's still really, um, recognizable this record and, something just makes you feel warm and fills you you with, you know, those warm, feely, gooey feelings that you get when you listen to new music. Um, So for them, yeah, I think this is a real turning point for The War on Drugs. They're, They're changing it up a little bit. There's some really nostalgic moments. There's a song about Adam's father called Rings Around My Father's Eyes, and it was a really great story that his dad's actually around 90 years old. But only got into rock music when he was 86. <laughs> so he started coming around to Adam's gigs, but only in the last four years, so as an 86 year old. So, oh um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, and there's a song called Old Skin, which I think is just sort of symbolic of what this band is doing almost shedding their old skin, changing it up a little bit, and turning a corner into sort of a newfound optimism.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like so many of these tracks are just begging to be heard live. Like there's some of those really anthemic moments as well. And of course, as you touched on all the classic rock love letters that the band have been known to adore. So it's just a meeting point. It's a new chapter, but it's still, as you said, it's still a classic War on Drugs album. So it's an absolutely stunning release, and I absolutely am so excited to hopefully eventually maybe see this live. I'm not sure. I might be <laughs> having a pipe dream, but one day. Well, they're
3: doing about to do a massive tour uh, around America and then jumping over to Europe as well. And these are, this is a big, big tour. They're doing huge venues, including a sold-out Madison Square Garden at the beginning of that. So yeah, look, we'll, they've always been known as a great live band, and I'm sure they'll get back to Australia one day.
1: Yes, it's something to look forward to, and in the meantime, what an incredible release in a very, very stacked week, so a very good choice (laughs)
3: today, Mick. No worries. Great album. I'm glad to listen to it.
1: Yeah, here, here. Well, thank you for joining the Press Play team today for our first ever episode, Mick. And as with all our featured albums and tracks in today's episode, you can also catch all of the action via our Press Play mixtape. You can listen to all the artists we touch on right here on Spotify. But before we bid farewell completely to this week's new album releases, it's time now for our artist feature segment. It's time now for our artist feature segment here on Press Play. And today we're taking a deeper look into the impending new EP from Aussie singer songwriter Azure Rider, with Ladder to the Moon officially due out tomorrow.
4: Baby, take it back it's getting hard to breathe, could we go from us?
1: off the back of her stunning debut release, Running With The Wolf back in 2020, Azure Riders become an ever-growing fixture in the musical world. With her debut EP scoring Buzz Overseas from the BBC, her single Dizzy off the debut snapping up most played with Triple J, and she's now sitting pretty with 25 million global streams. Ladder to the Moon is undeniably a beautiful outing from this extremely talented artist. We're gifted with piano-laden ballads on tracks like Wild Lights, lush strings on Lover Be Brave, and a sharp and crystalline outing on Some Kind of Love. And when I spoke with Azuri Ryder, she also touched on some of the driving factors behind bringing this EP to life.
4: Well, I kind of feel like this was very much a journey with this EP within myself because I wrote majority of these songs like two and a half years ago when I was in London and I really have come to this place where I feel like I subconsciously wrote them for my future self because I think those things that I was going through and and dealing with at that time, I don't believe I was yet ready to face. And then in kind of delving back into these songs and putting them together for this EP, I think they've become such, or had such a wider meaning within myself now than they ever had before. Um, And I think that's just, I guess, as I said, I was ready to face those things and, and fully stand strongly within who I am. Um, I think with my past two APs, I'm, I'm so proud of them, but I think I was doing a lot of searching and wandering and this time I feel like I've really kind of arrived as who I am and being confident in that and being wild like a woman. <laughs> and, yeah, so I think it was, yeah, a lot of um, self-discovery um, in in a way and, and just believing in you know my voice and and my dreams and and love really and knowing that i wanted to for myself and hopefully for other people put forward this i guess notion of surrendering to love but the full-hearted kind and not settling for anything less than that i think that's so important cuz it's so easy nowadays to i guess settle for something because it might be easier or it's all we know or we think we deserve when really I think what this world is about, what this life is about revolves around love and, and it being that full-hearted all or nothing, seeing you through all phases, love.
1: For an EP titled Ladder to the Moon, there's an undeniable ethereal nature to Azuray Rider's artistry but laced with significant lashings of growing up and also growing into a new chapter, both personally and creatively, something Ryder herself is far too familiar with. And as the lady herself summed up in our chat ahead of the EP's release tomorrow, it's on the closing track Wild Lights that the EP's permeating unbridled passion and maturity takes full
4: flight. So this song really surprised me um, in how much it has grown to mean to me. Um, I wrote it it was one of the songs that I wrote in London and at the time it was a very very intense session and, and experience and I think a lot was kind of stirred up within me in creating it and so what the what I've released is literally the demo that we recorded in like the last half an hour before I had to get the train back into London and it literally encapsulates that energy between me and Ed Hardcourt, which I wrote it with, he's on the piano. And it was just this like dark, stirring, exhausted, like depleted energy that I feel I was so, again, scared and afraid of. It was like exposing those dark moments exposing, you know, that I'm not always perfect, that my voice cracks, that sometimes I can't hit my high notes, (laughs) like all these sorts of things that I think in, in today's world, you know, it's so easy to filter everything. And I think it's made it so that it's become that the imperfect isn't normal. And it's almost surprising when someone shows, oh, wait, I didn't have a great day or things aren't this beautiful as you see, or, you know, the feelings behind what you see aren't always like connected. Um And so I was, yeah, I was really fearful of this song. And I, you know, instantly when I was coming back on the train from when I wrote it, one of my A&R at my label rang me and I was, I was ready. I was like, Oh no, he's gonna, cause I think the song already got sent through and I was ready to be like, it was terrible. I sounded horrible. I like, I, I'm not, like I felt so terrible and he was like, what are you What are you talking about? He's like, this is incredible. There's such a magic in it. And I just honestly up until when I've honestly finally agreed to have this demo as it is on the, on the EP, I was still in disbelief of it because I tried like quite a few times. I was like, if this is going to be on the EP, I need to redo it. I need to make sure I'm in control. I'm sounding the best I can, but I couldn't recreate that moment. I couldn't, I I think I was trying so hard to, I guess, tidy up this mess that I think didn't actually need to be tidied up. I, I think it's something, you know, I speak so much about giving as much love to the darkness that you do the light. And if I don't show you guys this, how it is, then I'm not walking my talk really. And yeah, so it's been a beautiful thing to kind of overcome within myself as well. That, you know, it is so scary to show vulnerabilities and imperfections, but I think that is like a duty as an artist to share those things so that hopefully the people listening know and feel within themselves that that too is okay and they're not alone in that.
1: Armed with four beautifully crafted tunes on this new EP, Ladder to the Moon is set to only ricochet Azuri Rider further into the public eye. And while the rest of the world has already been cottoning on to her brilliance, it's only a matter of time before the secret is well and truly out and the entire world falls head over heels for this sensational local artist.
4: Uh
0: for choosing to listen to the press play podcast press play is a euphony production for more quality euphony podcasts visit euphony.com.au home of the nrl podcast the Take with willie and ian the number one australian music podcast rewind with steve bell plus the green room with tiana speeder that sucks and more subscribe like and share
1: well, shortly I'll be joined by another brilliant guest to take a look back at this week in musical history. But before that, let's take a quick look at what's doing the viral rounds and or making ways in the land of all things pop culture recently. While TikTok has unsurprisingly been flooded with squid game challenges and the usual bedlam of random emojis, weird health tips, and even a fake Dolly Parton account, recent news that may delight or confound you is that the Beatles are now on TikTok. Or more specifically, over 30 of their tracks are now available that users can pick to soundtrack their shenanigans on the
2: app.
1: With the impending Peter Jackson The Beatles Get Back documentary coming to Disney Plus next month, Could Beatlemania be simmering away once again? Meanwhile, in news from everyone's favourite heart-wrenching songbird, the utter powerhouse that is Adele has returned with her first single in five years. And while it's little surprise it's another hard-hitting tearjerker from the beloved singer-songwriter, Adele also managed to smash some records along the way, with Easy On Me breaking Spotify's record for the most streams in one single day. Easy On Me debuted with 24 million streams in a mere 24 hours, well and truly trouncing the previous record holder BTS, who held the title with 20.9 million streams for their track Butter, which released earlier this year. While entirely an eye-watering feat for Adele, and also taking into account some adjustments of streaming by Spotify after they realized some superfans were just playing the song over and over and over. Well, Adele has showcased that regular streaming strategies are thrown out the window when it comes to full-blown superstars, with Amazon Music also confirming the track topped its previous 24-hour streaming total as well. Easy On Me marks the first single off Adele's impending album, 30, due out next month. And tissues will certainly need to be at the ready for that release as Adele is set to unpack her divorce and provide a way to explain it all to her son when he's older. For now, here's a snippet of Easy On Me. Meanwhile, I'll be quietly sobbing in the corner before the next segment. And from new albums and a few viral moments this week to this week in musical history and some tantalising reissues... I'm joined now by the host of Rewind with Steve Bell and co-founder of Sonic Sherpa Records. I'm talking, of course, about Steve Bell. Belly, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to Press Play.
5: Thanks, Tiana. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I know each week you'll actually be taking us through this week in musical history, much like a Rewind episode where you celebrate some of history's most important albums. But what historic musical moment have you got for us today, Belly?
5: There's been a few things that have happened on today in uh, recent music history. You go back 18 years to 2003, The Strokes put out their second album, Room on Fire, which was like it was really, really highly anticipated after uh, the massive success of their Is This It album a couple of years before. It didn't disappoint. It didn't set the world on fire, but, you know, it was pretty great. Um, Before that, you go back 30 years to 91, Queen put out their Greatest Hits Two collection. Now, here you say that's probably not even the best of the Queen Greatest Hits collections.
1: Yeah, 25- <laughs> you know, I would say that <laughs>
5: <laughs> it sold 25 million copies. It's one of the best-selling albums of all time. Uh, still languishes behind Greatest Hits One, which is the highest-selling album of all time in in the UK. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go back, stay in that same year, '91, but bring it home to Australia. It's the 30th anniversary of the Cruel Sea second album. This is not the way home. Uh, it came out 30 years today on revered Sydney label, uh, label, Red Eye Records. Um, they'd started out, they'd formed from the ashes of a band called Secret Secret in the late eighties. And they were instrumental band at first. They took their name from a um, instrumental by the Ventures, a, a surf song. And then they came, they crossed paths with a young guy Tex Perkins who'd been fronting Be Suburban. They really liked each other. He started writing lyrics to these instrumentals. The next thing, the Cruel as we know it, is born. This is the album that really put them on the map. Um, had a few singles, including the title tracks, probably the one that's best known. Then there's I Feel. I feel like it's need more than desire. I
0: feel all my senses are on fire. I feel. I feel, I
1: feel, and you know
5: why. It only went to number 62 on the charts, but it's since gone platinum, and it really and it got them an aria nomination for best group. They lost out to Crowded House, and that one's pro- probably fair enough. And producer Tony Cohen also got nominated for an aria, but um, yeah, really just it set the platform. In '93, they put out their massive massive uh hit album the honeymoon is over and their journey was off and running so this is a really important stepping stone and and a really cool album
1: oh 100 percent and it's interesting because i know with um what was to come like they did team up with tony cohen a fair bit more but i think i really liked with this one everyone kind of calls it like a the ultimate like road trip movie soundtrack like just kind of driving barreling down you know into some misty unknown area and also tex perkins like lyrics and some of the stuff he says like it's real visceral it's really intense but it's so vivid and yeah what an album I can't believe it's been that long but
5: no it's disturbing but yeah it's really swampy in times and it's got a soul tinges at other times it's diverse but yeah it's a cracking album it's really important Aussie one
1: yeah well I love that you kept it local for that one and I think a few other exciting things before I let you go is that You've also got the scoop on some reissues that we have to look forward to this week as well. What have you got for me to expand my very overflowing record collection?
5: <laughs> Another one where it makes you cringe that it's been so long, but um, the White Stripes, White Blood Cells has just turned 20. Which, yeah, crazy to me. <laughs>
1: oh my God, what?
5: Yeah, but um, look, third man, obviously Jack White's got his own label. So he's um, curating their back catalog and he's doing it well as he always does. This one's getting a new vinyl re, uh, reissue on red and white candy cane sort of peppermint vinyl they're calling it, which is indie exclusive. So you, you can order that from your uh, local indie record store. I remember seeing them uh, at the big day out on that tour. And then we went down and saw them at the great Northern in Byron Bay as well. It was awesome seeing in that tiny little room. Um, yeah. One of the great shows.
1: Oh, killer. I love it.
5: Yeah. Um, another couple of reissues uh, REM the 25th anniversary of their ninety-six tenth 10th album new adventures in hi-fi it was their last one with drum uh, bill berry before he quit after he had that aneurysm so it was the end of a long run for them they went document 87 green 88 out of time 91 automatic for the people 92 monster 94 and then this one it went to number one here in australia america england it was a massive hit it was sort of ragged because you know they recorded it on tour for Monster and they're riding and recording on the road. So it sort of had a strange feel, but, yeah, it went massive. Um, that's getting a 2LP reissue. Uh, you can get a color version of that from the REM website too.
1: Beautiful. And I think I did read them that at the time. They did say it was representative of the band at their peak. So, I mean, it's got to be high praise if the band themselves are calling it an album like that too. Yeah.
5: It's pretty much their last great album, I think, is the common consensus. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And just one more. um, It's a really recent one. Alabama Shakes, Sound and Colour. It only came out in 2015. It was their second album. It looked like it was going to really put them on the map, but sadly they split up a few years later. Um, It went to number one in America, number six here in in the UK. It's a killer album of their sort of southern rock. I saw them, their um, front woman, Brittany Howard. She was an amazing powerhouse live. Like They were a really, really good band. It got nominated for six Grammys. It won four of them, including Best Alternative Album, Best Rock Performance, and it's been uh on double vinyl with a uh, colour vinyl but seven bonus tracks and, and new artwork. It's a whole new reimagining of it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to really diving into that one.
1: Oh me too. That it's just there's so much attitude and it's such a kaleidoscope that one. So it's gonna. I feel like it has to be listened to on colored vinyl. But that's just because I just want a colored vinyl in my collection. So <laughs> Just purely selfish reasons. Awesome, <laughs> awesome.
5: Yeah, it's awesome. uh, yeah, my key ones for this month. Uh, this week.
1: Yeah, I think there's so many exciting things to come, Belly. So anyone keen to get even more musical history into their ears, you can catch the latest season of Rewind with Steve Bell, which features a five-part deep dive into something for Kate's seminal 2001 album Echolalia. Belly, thank you for stopping by today and I will catch you next week with more amazing bits and pieces from musical history.
5: Thanks so much. I'll catch you then.
1: Well, it's mostly been all about albums so far on Press Play today, so it's only fair we now take a look at some of the incredible new singles that are dropping or have already dropped this week. It's time now for Singled Out. Andrew Mast joining me here once again. Masty. what singles are you loving this week?
2: Well, I'm going to start with something that's technically not a single. It's the main track of a new EP. Uh, I'm looking, talking about Girl and Girl and the song Dr. Martin.
5: My talk is singing.
0: It's Virginia calling time to the girl who wasn't living.
2: living. Uh, And this is not about the shoe, nor about the TV show. Damn it. This Gold Gold Coast Quartet are fast becoming one of Australia's most exciting proponents of post-punk. This is the latest track, lifted from, as I said, their EP, called A Typical Friday Night, Shame, Sex and Misery. It's an intergenerational band. Their drummer was involved in the Sydney band scene way back in the 80s and has now formed this quartet with her nephew and his friends. This is so wholesome.
1: Oh, my God, it's too wholesome. I love this.
2: (laughs) And the best thing about it is her drumming is integral to the band's sound, starkly unique. Her walking rhythm on this track just leads the song. There's strolling bass, meandering guitar and spoken word delivery, but her drumming is the spine of this song. Uh, This band just takes its time here and I'm prepared to take my time to listen to whatever they want to dish up.
1: Oh, beautiful way to put it. And like, Marcy, as you know, I am a Gold Coast girl, but that's not the only reason why I love them. Like, it's so exciting to see this local band bring lashings of bedroom punk on tap with their releases. And the Triple J on Earth page says their sound is Bowie crossed with Australian 70s rock dipped in a vat of new age desperate rock I mean, come on, they were bound to be unique and addictive. And that description comes to vivid fruition on this track.
2: And uh, if you want to see some Gold Coast sites, check out the video for that one as well, because they wander around some of their favourite places. Uh, Away from that is Lady Hawk and her latest single, Time Flies. I'm tell you a quick story buried somewhere in my vinyl collection is a seven inch single from 2001 by a new zealand garage band called two Blackbot. blacktop since then lead guitarist pick brown has become lady Hall mm-hmm. and from there she went on to be one of the biggest stars on the planet in 2008 and now has album number four on the way the first single was this very glam-sounding Guilty Love, and it is one of my favourite songs of the year so far. And even when I say the title, it's just whirling through my head. It's that catchy. But this is something pretty different. We get this melancholy pop ballad, and while it's got that straight-up big modern pop production sound we expect from artists like Lady Hawk, underneath it all, I can hear this laid-back 70s yacht rock vibe, and I'm really liking it. It also feels like when she gets to play live, which hopefully uh, will happen in the new year, there are dates. I think this will be the key sing-along number at her live shows.
1: Oh, I love the fact anytime there's yacht rock thrown into it, I'm always on board, but I think the song title also truly sums up my realisation that it has been nearly 14 years since my delirium was luring me onto the dance floor from Lady Hawk. Like this track is just soaked in gorgeous nostalgia and simplicity and I think it's also the perfect ode to how we're probably all feeling at the tail end of 2021. And <laughs> I cannot wait to see what happens and bring on a live show, Masty, please.
2: Very much so. When I was looking into uh, her back catalogue, it was like, it really is that long since my delirium. Now, not, not long to wait for this one. Alice Ivy and Psycho have dropped a new track called Weakness. I can't, I can't. biased here ivy is without doubt in my opinion the leading producer and remixer in australia right now if her name is on a track i want to hear it all i can say is where is her aria i get strong 90s feelings from this one it reminds me of those chilled club tunes that came about from bands like groove crazy penis or bank i love everything about this psychos vocal the spacious production, the guitar break that sneaks in toward the end. Um, I just think we need to keep these two creating music together. I know Alice likes to work with various other people, but she's got to come back and work with Psycho.
1: Oh, I think it's like a match made in heaven. And I believe for this one that they weren't actually able to get into the studio together like they had been planning to. But, you know, thank you border closures. But the magic that came together of writing this over Zoom, I think this is just the start of something huge. And I also loved like the little vintage disco vibes getting too. I mean, you know, it was always going right. to be something amazing, but I did not expect something like this and I loved it.
2: Hey, isn't it strange that even though COVID kept people apart, I feel like we've seen a lot of these Zoom collaborations happen. And the final track we're looking at is another one of those. Uh, this time it's Jesswa and her track, Bad Like Riri. Jesswa is an Australian-based rapper who, again, I think, in just my humble opinion, just keeps delivering dynamic drops of hip-hop. Bad like Riri. Hot
0: yeah. them girls. Bad like Riri. Hot them girls. Bad like Riri.
2: Uh, this time What teams up with Dallas rapper Erica Banks in a tribute to Rihanna, and you may know uh, Erica from TikTok's Buffet Trend. If you don't, this is a great introduction. This is another one where to, as I said previously about Alice Ivy, you just have to admire the production. It's got a beefy sound, doesn't get too busy, but more importantly, as lockdown states in Australia begin to reopen, we may actually be allowed to dance to this one at a club.
1: Oh, not seated in a chair. Like, this has to be seen and heard standing up. Like, it's pure badass fuel. And referencing Rihanna is just a match made in heaven for them as well. Once again, as with all these other tracks, I feel like everyone's coming together. And honestly, what can't Jessua do at this point? Like, she's a total boss. I'm so into it.
2: Couldn't agree more.
1: Well, an epic lineup of just a few of the killer singles that have been out recently, Marcy. Your taste is as impeccable as always. And for anyone listening who wants to grab a listen to these singles we've touched on today, as well as any of the other albums and other releases we've talked about as well, be sure to check out our Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Master, an absolute pleasure, and I cannot wait to see what you bring for us next week. Thank you. Well, that's about it from Press Play today. As I have mentioned throughout the episode, if you're keen to check out some of the albums and singles we've had a dive into today, definitely check out the official Press Play Mixtape kicking around on Spotify. We'll be updating it regularly to showcase some of the latest releases. So be sure to check it out and keep in the loop with us as we go. Just search Press Play Mixtape, look for our snazzy logo, and we will do the rest. A huge thank you to my co-host Andrew Maas for joining me today as well as our guest reviewer, Mick Rad, who you can listen to more on Sydney's 2SER program, The Tuck Shop. And of course, a thank you to our resident musical history expert and person responsible for my house being mostly record vinyl, Steve Bell, and Azuro Ryder, whose new EP Ladder to the Moon is out tomorrow. Also, a huge thank you to you listening out there for joining us for our first ever episode of Press Play. To help us get off the ground, if you or your mates love music, be sure to share the love and spread the word. And of course, as always, likes, follows, subscribes, and any other public showing of adoration helps us get the good word out there. You can check out more episodes of Press Play as we go at euphony.com.au. Plus, we'd love to hear from you about what's getting a play at your place this week. So drop us a line, let us know what you're listening to, what new releases you're excited about, or perhaps, like me, you found a new musical crush with some of the artists we've chatted about today. Love music? Press play. Catch you next week.
4: Press
0: Play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Marst. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder. Recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Press Play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trawick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder, recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.